okay, in the comments. Well, uh, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and answer it. Um, I think my, a moment in my life is I was sitting in Bible college, and I was worshiping the Lord, and the Lord brought to my attention my relationship with my father. And uh, he said to me, he said, do you, do you want to uh, experience more love? I said, yes, Lord. He said, well, how about your father? I said, he said, what do you, how do you feel about your father? And that was a tender spot in my heart. It was a, a spot that I hadn't went to in years. I, our relationship was broken. Um, I had no love there for him, really. And he said, I love your dad. Mm-hmm. And, and it really touched my heart because, you know, I really loved God, and, but I was questionable about, about my relationship with my father. And he said to me, he said, are you willing to let go of that hurt and your pain in your heart for your dad? And I said, yes. Uh, it was a hard yes. It was a, one that brought tears to my eyes because I remember the fights that he got in with my mother, the drug abuse and the neglect and everything. And, and, I, and that's just something I was really holding on to my heart. But God said, I need you to let go of that because where I'm taking you in life, you can't hold on to that and hold on to where I'm taking you. So when I let that go, it freed me to experience a deeper relationship with God, a deeper love. It really enabled me to love someone that's unlovable to me because I start seeing that through how Jesus loved him and ultimately how Jesus loved me. Yeah, and we can definitely see that that has transformed your life because (laughs) you are the biggest lover, the biggest teddy bear we've ever met. So that's major transformation. It's awesome. Anybody else? Want to answer that one? Well, Josh just gave me the nod, so I, you know, when, when a prophet nods at you, you got no choice here. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, one of the, t- I mean, you know, obviously we we all have our journey, but I think one of the times was a we're a wilderness season. It was just a, I mean, it was a trial that lasted 32 months. Now, when I think of a trial, it's like you know a week. No, this lasted 32 months, and the Lord called us out of the church world into. Uh, uh, real estate and marketing. And so we went out there and we thought we were going to be millionaires. We thought we were going to plant house churches. Neither one of those things happened. What happened was God uh, decided, well, in his love, he took, uh, the wilderness is a time where all your dreams go to die and only the ones that are God dreams get resurrected. And so we just got stripped down and we, uh, all the things that were propping us up that weren't him, they they were, I mean, money, friends, it's everything that we could lean on was stripped away and we fell in love with Jesus again. I mean, we were in love with God. We loved him. We were working hard for him. We were doing things for him, but I don't know that we were like in love with him. We didn't have that tenderness where we were living with him. You know, we were, you know, we were, you know, we went from servants to friends, you know, and sons and daughters during that time. So um, it's, it, you look back and it's like, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. It's the worst of times when you're going through it. But when you know, I look back on it, I'm like, God, I'm so thankful for that. But please, I don't want to go through that again. Like, let me learn another way. But uh, I think, you know, a trial was just, for us, was just a real, uh, just transforming time. Josh, do you want to go next? Uh, yeah, sure. For, for me personally, um, it's interesting because there's been multiple seasons of my life where I felt like there was an acceleration in growth. And um, the common thread, the common theme was... Um, it really, for me, the first season was, um, I was working in a machine shop. I was in the back corner of this machine shop and I remember, um, very clearly, um, putting earplugs in my ears and I would just, I would show up and do my job. And it wasn't something I particularly felt called to do. It wasn't something that I, you know, uh, woke up excited to go to work to do, but, um, it was, you know, it put food on the table and, and, uh, so I did it faithfully. And then, um, you know, the Lord just began to speak to me very clearly. And it's where I began to learn to hear from God in the back corner of a machine shop with earplugs in my ears and, uh, a saw ripping through sheet metal, um, which if you've ever heard a saw ripping through sheet metal, it's hard to hear anything else after that. And so if you could hear God through that, um, it, it makes things a lot, you know, a lot more clear when uh, there's not a saw. So, um, in those times, it was very shaping. It was very um, powerful for me uh, of just that day in, day out. I mean, I, I would be left alone, so to speak, and, and just do my job and do it faithfully and, and do it with excellence. But the Lord began to speak to me and, and talk about like blessing the work of your hands, and hmm. He began to um, encourage me. He began to. Uh, I, I began to hear things very specifically, and 
uh, in this time, uh, I'll tell this very brief story. I remember um, I had a I had a truck, and, and my wife and I were moving to a a new stage in our life, and and I put the truck up for sale. And long story short, um, uh, I got caught up in this scam, and my truck got stolen. And uh, the uh, insurance company, um, which I th- had full coverage on my, my vehicle, they said, well, uh, you have full coverage if it gets in an accident, but uh, because it's stolen, we'll only cover 20%. And uh, so we were just, like, uh, unsure how we were going to financially recover. And um, so I just began to fast, working in the machine shop, hearing from the Lord. And I remember it was probably one of the first times I got a very specific word of knowledge, and I got an address uh, on a particular street in, in the south end of Columbus. And uh, I called my wife and uh, I said, honey, I, I, I feel like the Lord has showed me where my truck is. I'm gonna, I gotta find this thing. Like we can't, we can't pay for this. And, uh, and she says, um, like basically drop it and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but, um, and, and so I'm like, well, I just need to try it or else I'm gonna regret not doing it. So I, I drive there and I drive to this address and lo and behold, my truck is sitting in this parking lot. Uh, and, and I found it. I was able to call the police, recovered my truck, um, and uh, the insurance company covered all the damages because, um, you know, I, I, we actually found the vehicle. And so it began to really teach me um, just hearing from the Lord. And um, uh, in all of those seasons, the common thread has just been a clarity, a, a separating from the world, so to speak, um, you know, the mountain seasons where Jesus would uh, go up early in the morning, he would go up to the mountain, he would just spend time with the Lord. And, and those seasons that uh, are concentrated like that, it, it really uh, has been accelerated growth in my life. So good. Wow, that's so good, Josh. Um, it looks like we are getting a few comments. We appreciate you guys commenting. Is it people wanting Josh to find their car? Well, it's Is that what some <laughs> of the comments are? <laughs> well, I, I'm getting feedback that we need some Zion Pickerington people to feedback here. So, um, so yeah, so get on it, Zion Pickerington. Come All on, because right, you know, it. like, there's a little competition sometimes between Jim and Josh. So. <laughs> No, I'd probably Sorry. lose, so probably not. <laughs> Sorry, that's only with the vineyard. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. I want to hear what Sean has to say on this one. Um, for me, it was probably uh, about 15 years ago. I had a pretty concentrated time of what we were, what this question is asking about spiritual growth. And during that time, you know, for me, it was a time of really laying down, learning how to be laid down for Jesus. It's a difference between knowing Jesus and laying down for him. Hmm. Knowing him gets you saved. Laying down for him gets you transformed. And uh, I, I just began to, I wanted more. And, um, and, and so I found myself working um, and coming home from work. I used to, I was in the financial services industry. And I'd come home from work and all I want to do is like read my Bible. Like I couldn't get enough of it. No one was telling me to do it. I, it wasn't that at all. It wasn't because I should. Um, I just could not get enough of it. And so I would go to different places and coffee shops and just read through the book of Romans over and over and over again. And I'd write it out. Um, I just wanted it more. And uh, during that time, somehow during that time, you know, all I really had, I wasn't super connected into a lot of different streams of ministry or churches or anything. I was going to a church and it was good. Um, But all I really had for like teaching was like Heidi Baker CDs. And so it was literally my Bible and a stack of like 15 Heidi Baker CDs. And that's all that I had. And so I would listen to Heidi Baker every night falling asleep, every morning wake up, get off work, I'd go read my Bible. I'd read my Bible during lunchtime. I was just a super weird, awkward guy. And uh, that's what I was. But I I didn't know and I didn't really care. Um, And throughout that, you know, I'm listening to Heidi Baker and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, like, I'm going to go do this stuff. So I would go out in the middle of the night and go down to like this downtown area and I'd pack lunches um, after I got off work and just pack bag sandwiches and things um, and go out and minister to the homeless and those that were kind of foaming at the mouth, too much drugs on the side of the streets and, and get them healed and lead them to the Lord and give them food and, and then, you know, do it all over again the next day. And I didn't tell anyone I was doing this and I did it for, I did it for months and months and months. Um, and, but I can look back on it and just see how that was a really, a very consecrated time for me and formed a lot of 
a, a lot of where a lot of my values now and a lot of like who God has created me to be really in, in those consecrated days, uh, they just take they, they just get a lot of momentum. But it often looks like kind of being a little bit alone, not lonely, but being alone. And, and there's just something about that wilderness or consecration period that I think there's a common thread here in some of this is that it's not necessarily the most comfortable like happy time of your life. But looking back on it, I don't think any of us would trade any of those moments, uh, however long they lasted. Yeah, I always call the wilderness the best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> but I, Sean, I think that's such a great example of how a transformed person transformed a city. You know, when you, you were transformed, so you had to go out and give that away and be Jesus to people, you know, so that was really awesome. Let me just hit some real quick. There was a study they did a couple years ago, and I mean, it was over hundreds of thousands of people, thousands of churches, you know, denominations, and they found that the number one um, exterior or outward transforming activity was to go on a missions trip, and they found that you didn't actually have to go overseas. You just had to go cross-cultural, so like if you're in the suburbs and you go to the inner city, like, there, there's something about you're, you're so outside your comfort zone, you can't lean on what's comfortable. You have to lean on the Lord. That's the transforming part. I've got to, I've got to lean on him. And then the number one interior uh, activity was scripture meditation. And then just across denominations. And so you'll find when it comes to transformation, it's always going to fall into a relationship, an experience, or a practice. A relationship. I had a mentor. You know, I, I got coaching. I got involved in community experience. You know, I, I experienced the love of God. I, you know, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, you know, whatever it might be. I learned to hear God's voice. I had a trial or, or practice, you know, scripture, meditation, uh, fasting, whatever those might be. So I would imagine that the, the answers in there, they're going to fall into one of those categories. But I think it's important that you build into your life at least every three years go on a missions trip. You know, whether you're like, I'm a missions person, I'm not. There's something so transforming. You owe it to yourself. And if you can, if it works out as, as kids, that's why I encourage uh, every person at Zion, every three years, just, just, just make, it a, make it a rhythm of I've got to get out of the country. I've got to allow God to shape my heart and see that there's more than just, you know, Western civilization out there. So, oh, That's really good, babe. Um, I do want to say we actually don't compete between campuses. I was totally kidding about that. But let's, um, let's read. I have a couple of things that came through. Uh, can we read some of your answers? See if they fall in your category. All right. Yeah, put it, it to says, the uh, Here's one person. I think when I realized that I actually did hear from the Lord for other people and that they were in need of that word from a perfect stranger, Jesus is so good experience. Yep. Another one is uh, Steve Backlund changed my life with the 40 days of negativity fast. Transformational teaching. It's an experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then here's a last one. Uh, fully understanding my identity in Jesus and knowing what I have to offer via CSSM. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like the Lord. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it has been rapid fire since day one, two, uh, one, two years ago today. Actually. CSSM is our Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry, which uh, just so happens that Sean leads. So that's and why that's he's extra excited. <laughs> definitely an experience. So And a community around. I mean, yeah, it probably involves all of those three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's its own campus. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday nights and Thursday nights. That's kind of true, for sure. Okay, well, we would like for you guys to put any questions that you might have on the area in the area of transformation. Okay, we're sticking to that topic of transformation. We're not, not end times. Not asking COVID. Not or, COVID. Right. Not no political. Politics. Yes. Okay, this is just around transformation. So whatever questions that maybe you just have rattling around in your head, just give them a type out, and we're going to try to get to some of them today and let these genius people answer them. Um, okay, so while you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and ask another question. Okay, you guys ready? The Bible says... The Bible says things <laughs> that we're transformed by renewing our minds. Another translation says, change your life by changing the way you think. What does this mean to you, and what does this look like in your life? Do you want me to repeat it? Yes. Okay. The Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Another translation says, change your life by changing the way you think. What does this mean to you, and what does this look like in your life? Uh, me, I think uh, it, it's meditating on God's precepts, uh, getting back to God's original thinking. You know, my thoughts are, are going in opposite directions. It's almost like an interception. 
Uh, when a ball is intercepted in football, it goes back the other way. So it's, it, it involves repentance, changing of mind, changing of, changing of a heart, followed by changing of direction. So uh, everything in the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom I came out of, you know. Where the kingdom I come out of, you know, I had to strive to do great. I had to, you know, it was all about self. I was self-centered. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, it, it's, he's the one, the center of my heart. He become my obsession, my obsession. And out of that, you know, he teaches me how to love my wife, how to love my family, how to love my community, how to love someone that's unlovable. Some of the things that are hard is to love someone that doesn't love you. But it takes the power of God to do that. So in my own strength, you know, I can only deal with somebody to the point where, you know, I'm frustrated with them. Then it's like, I'm never going to deal with you again. But that's not how God does. You know, he, we get, he gets frustrated. We get frustrated, but God doesn't get frustrated. You know, he's, he's, he's even killed, uh, even tempered all the time with us. He don't allow people to change how he responds. He changed their response by how he loved. So that, that, means, that to me yeah. is everything. I think about uh, Luke chapter 6, it says if you make the tree right, you make the fruit right. You know, he's like, you don't pick, uh, you know, grapes from fig trees. And so to me, it's, it's always about changing the inside, not just external behavior management. And so there's two laws. One's the law of the tree, whichever, whatever's happening on the inside is going to produce the outside. And then there's the uh, law of exposure, which says that whatever your mind is most exposed to, that's what it's going to think about. And so it's really, it's about thinking on purpose. You know, you have a constant stream of thoughts, intuitions, feelings going through your mind. And, uh, you know, the Bible says to take those thoughts captive. So to me, it's about thinking on purpose. It's about exposing myself. You know, if you're feeding yourself on the new, listen, guys, everyone's renewing their mind. It just depends on which way you're renewing it towards, <laughs> doubt and unbelief and fear, or towards faith, wonderful things about Jesus, you know, joy, those type of things. And so the, the law of exposures are going to determine which way your mind is going. And so if you're feeding yourself on the news, well, then don't be surprised if you're anxious and fearful and freaking out, and if you're renewing, you know, there's a fruit to it. That's what the Bible says, think on these things, whatsoever is pure and lovely. So for me, I really, uh, you know, I like to in the morning kind of set the, I like to set the standard for what I'm going to think about. I like to review prophetic words because I want to constantly remind myself of what's possible in him. Like it's impossible. I, I need, you know, no, no one's prophetic words is like, you know, yay that I say, you're going to be able to pay your bills someday. You know, it's like they're never like just making it survival words. It's always like there's more happening than you know. Absolutely. And things, God has bigger plans for you than you already thought. And so I need, to re- I need to renew my mind with impossibilities. So I like to read those words because they're not currently true. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, man, oh, but God, I got to lift up my eyes. You've got this for me. And so I, I like to renew my mind with those words. I think, you know, Paul told Timothy, he said, you know, wage war with those prophetic words over your life. I mean, so there, there's that, no, no, this is who I am. This, this is the prophetic destiny. And so between that, I love meditating on scriptures. I love speaking in tongues or just something about that language of intimacy that just, just shapes my heart. But uh, for me, it's about thinking on purpose. Steve Backlund says, you know, you got saved when you believed in Jesus. You get transformed when you believe like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's super powerful. Sean or Josh, do you? I was just thinking, I was like, this is a bad idea to have four speakers up here because we're yeah. going to want to answer every question. At first, we we're like, oh, we probably won't answer them all, but we all probably got things percolating. Cause... I know backstage, we're like, yeah, just, yeah. just one or two. Yeah. Well, when I hear Jim talk, it, like, it gets me stirred up. When I hear Derek talk, we're like stirring each other up. So I'll just keep it brief and just say that um, I think that, that for me, when I hear that, uh, there's, a, there's an invitation, that it's a choice. That mind renewal is a choice. We don't yeah. just kind of wake up and bump into mind renewal. You know, we, we actually have a choice. We have our, a participation factor, a co-laboring with the Lord. That mind renewal tends to come from things like experience. Like I've seen things or heard testimonies from other people that renewed my mind in that area. That's good. Uh, the word, all, all these different avenues that mind renewal can take place. Um, I love because, you know, God is, God is not a single track kind of God. Have you ever noticed like he just uses a lot of different things to speak to you to get your attention? And mine for my my journey in that, like I would say that it has come from a lot of different outlets. And the cool part is remembering that it's all meant for intimacy. Like it's not meant for like knowledge puffs up, love builds up. It's all meant for 
for us to be able to test and approve the will of God. Well, how do you test and approve? Because you have to know the person who's doing something, that you recognize that he did that, he did that or he's going to do it this way. And so, so the, that, um, that, that place of transforming your mind, man, if it's not connected to intimacy, sometimes we, we tend to start knowing a lot of things and become less effective in our calling. Yeah, that's so true. Josh? I think it's interesting. The Bible actually tells us it's with the mind that we serve the Lord. And it's what the enemy tries so hard to come after you. So the battles, um, they all oftentimes feel external, but they're, they're really rooted internally. They're rooted through wrong thinking. They're rooted through wrong beliefs about God and what other people think about you and believe about you. And that's why, you know, I think Paul tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the tearing down of strongholds so that we can, um, you know, take every thought captive. And, and so I think of wrong beliefs and wrong uh, thinking uh, about uh, views about God as, as a stronghold in your mind. And what's a stronghold? A stronghold is just a place of fortification. And so the enemy has strongholds in our mind where he continues to attack us from that position or that place in our mind. And the Lord has given us weapons that are not carnal, but they're mighty for tearing those things down and coming against everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And so the, the key to remember is that we never arrive in this, that this is at every stage and every season of life that there is... Um, there's a, there's a new learning, a new discovery of this because there's new lies every season. There's new um, strongholds every season. The enemy realizes that, oh, I can't get them in this area, so I'm going to try this area. And so it is just a, it's, a, it's an understanding of just beginning to believe the best um, and, and uh, tearing down anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and what the Bible says to be true. That's good. Josh, let me just stay on you for a minute and ask you, what do you feel like is God's part and what is our part in transformation? Yeah, I think God's part, um, let me start with our part. Our part is recognizing the lies. And the way that you recognize the lies is you feed yourself with truth. And so that's scripture meditation. That's uh, worship. That's prayer. That's hanging around people who are burning for Jesus. And uh, I love what, what Jim says. You know, accountability is not, you know, don't smoke, don't chew, don't run around with those who do. But accountability is, is, are you burning for Jesus? Are you burning for God? And so I love to hang around people who challenge me, who encourage me. And so our part is to have all of these things that the Lord has provided us community, scripture, worship, prayer, and allow it to paint a picture of what um, we know to be true about God. And then uh, when we recognize something that is contrary to what we're seeing in scripture, what we're hearing in other people uh, who are chasing after the Lord, when we see that it's contrary to that, we know that uh, this is probably a lie. And so our part is simply to recognize the lie and to understand what is the truth instead. You know, he's an instead God. He does beauty instead of ashes. He does more, uh, you know, joy instead of mourning. He does, uh, you know, an instead. And so he wants to replace these things, but we have to recognize it and be willing to lay those things down. And so our part is recognition, laying those things down and asking him, what, what, you know, what do you want me to have instead? And then his part is to actually do it. <laughs> to actually accomplish it yeah so can i jump into that one i'm thinking about like three different boats you know picture like a raft in a pool then you got a paddle boat and then you got a sailboat and so uh I, I think in the charismatic circles we've got a lot of people on rafts they're just laying there and they're just hoping god is going to zap them somehow and so uh you got that and then we got some paddlers we got some people, they are working. I mean, they are, they are striving, they are dedicating themselves, they're fasting. And those things can be good, but they can also be like, you know, <laughs> your fasting is not prying open the hand of God. Fasting changes you, it doesn't change God, yeah. right? And so, uh, so we've got paddlers out there. If it's going to be, it's up to me, you know? And so they're, they're working. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pry open the hand of God. I'm going to get that he likes blessing. to rhyme. It's more powerful. <laughs> it is more powerful. And then, uh, but a sailboat, I really think, gets at it because... God's part is the wind. <laughs> you know, if he's not blowing, there's nothing. You're not going anywhere. But our part is to put up the sail and to say, God, in this season, how do you want me to engage you? How do you want me to encounter you? So I, I remember one season, um, I was getting a lot from reading books. 
And I felt like the Lord, I was actually getting addicted to knowledge is what was happening. I didn't know it. And I felt like the Lord said, don't read a book for a year, which I thought was going to kill me. It was like a junkie going off or something. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what am I going to do without like stuffing myself full of knowledge? But it was like he shifted. He used to speak to me through that. And then he shifted. And it was like, I just want you and, and my word. You know, I felt like, so it takes, you know, a sailor, a wise sailor, they're going to learn to read the wind. And they're going to adjust their sail accordingly. And so it's not about fasting nonstop, but there might be a season where God's like, listen, I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to narrow your focus. I want you to feed yourself on me. And uh, so I think that that's kind of our, our part is to put up the sail. His part is to blow. And if, if there's no wind blowing, then um, uh, we better adjust the sail again because <laughs> he's always blowing somewhere. That's really good. Really good, guys. Thank you. We are going to take a few questions now from our audience. Question number one, what truths about physical healing helped you bring the most transformation? Uh, I think me, it's when I realized that it's his desire to heal. He wants to heal. It's his will to heal. You know, it's, it's not um, if I if he feels like doing it on Monday, he will. Maybe not on Tuesday, or or in my own probation, spiritual probation. <laughs> you know, that I messed up two days ago, and he's still holding it against my heart. You You're know, I realize yeah. he's a good father, and he desires, he wants to do it, and 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 I let go of self, me being a part of it. And it's all him. I definitely agree with that. That was one for me too. And if you don't have that one, if you don't know it's God's will, how are you ever going to attach faith to it if you have no idea what he's doing? So that's so good. Well, since I started yapping, I didn't mean to. I think for me it was, it was recognizing that it's always God's will to heal. And you guys just need to know this. The people who believe it's always God's will to heal see about a million times more healing than people who, you know, he's sovereign, who knows? And he, he is sovereign, but he also, you know, which means his ultimate purposes and plans will be accomplished through the free will of people who love him. But uh, he sovereignly chose to give you authority over every sickness, every disease, and every evil spirit. He put a gun in your hand and told you to shoot it. So don't say God's allowing sickness. It's actually the church is allowing sickness. He gave us the solution. So I think that recognizing it was always God's will to heal was a big one. But I think so. kind of the next level evolution of that for me was recognizing that Jesus perfectly revealed the will of God. And, you know, that's why the disciples had such a miraculous experience is they, they hung around Jesus. They, they saw it nonstop. He was their theology. And if you look in the New Testament, he healed every person who came to him. Sometimes I'm in a situation, whether it's at a hospital, whether I'm praying with someone on the phone, I'm thinking, I know exactly what Jesus would do. He healed every person. There was no hesitation. There was no hoops. Go break off this generational curse. Oh, you got to go catch up on your tithes first. Oh, you got to submit to authority. Oh, and there's no hoops. And so I know that there's no hesitation in his heart. In fact, he was unprepared. One lady touches the head of his garment. It was like a reflex. Mm-hmm. Healing came when faith touched the Son mm-hmm. of God. Healing came out. There was no, hold on, let's see if she's worthy. Is this time or do we need to wait till Rosh Hashanah lines up with the Shemitah and some <laughs> blood moon? No, no, it's, 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 he already paid for it. He already said yes. And so for me, just seeing that Jesus revealed the heart of God and now I get to do that was, was a huge game changer for me too. Anybody else want to chime in? Yeah, I think they nailed it. Uh, I mean, there's not much else past that. I mean, the whole will of God thing is really important. I think it was either Oral Roberts or Norval Hayes said, faith begins where the will of God is known. And so you That's actually good. can't have faith unless you know what the will of God is. And so, so um, you know, say, that, that say is... That, say that again. Say that faith again. begins where the will of God is known. And so you can actually, like, that is the, the basis, the, the starting point for faith to actually begin is where, oh my gosh, this is his will. Um, and, and just since I spoke up and started rambling, but, um, the other, the other piece for me is, uh, the fact that he broke the curse of sin and death, that Mm. just the, the same payment that paid the wages of sin also paid for the wages of sickness. And so, uh, that was a revolutionary, you know, uh, mindset shift to understand that, uh, I grabbed onto the forgiveness of sin by faith. And so I could grab onto the healing of diseases by faith. And so it's just really, it's transformative to understand that he broke the curse of sin and death. So, so powerful. Okay. Next question from our audience is, uh, what, uh, okay, let me go back. What is the identity of the Antichrist? This actually is more probably you're going to answer this one. Jim once said. <laughs> we'll see. I get, I get misquoted a lot. I think Sean should answer this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Jim once said, affluence is for influence, but how can that be used for transformation? Good question. Yeah, and so it's actually one of the, uh, one of the only passages in the New Testament that talks about city transformation where people, uh, it was the parable of the, of the talents and the minas, where people who took what was in their hand were faithful with, with what they had in their hand and were made ruler over much. That's how the kingdom works. So you don't wait till some future time when you've got enough zeros after your bank account that that's when you're going to be faithful. That's when I'm going to be generous. No, it's being generous now. It's trusting God now. So let me just interrupt you. For people who don't know what affluence is, what affluence would, how means you've you got more that? than enough money. Okay. Yeah, and so, so in that in that parable, there was a, there was a guy who had um, two talents, which is an amount of money. Let's just say he had twenty grand. You know, he turned it into forty grand. And uh, it's interesting. So he created an atmosphere around his money that, of multiplication. And God said, because you are faithful with this, I'm going to give you leader. Uh, there was a guy who went from five talents to ten talents. He said, I'm going to give you rulership over ten cities. I, want you, I don't know if you guys are, I mean, I don't know what that does to you. Mm-hmm. But someone who simply took the money that was in their hands, partnered with the Lord for multiplication, somehow the seeds of that qualified you to shape the culture over ten cities. So when I hear stuff like that, I'm just like, God, like, don't pass me by. Like, like, please, Lord, we have to do this. And so this is actually one of the keys to city transformation is the, uh, is, the, is the proper stewardship of finances. Here's what the Bible says. It says when um, the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When God's people prosper, there's actually a supernatural atmosphere that's released into a city of joy as a result of it. So we're talking about city transforming things. It's not about, should I tire them the net or the gross? It's about me coming into a partnership with God and recognizing that prosperity has a purpose. I say affluence is for influence. Income is for impact. Prosperity has a purpose. And the purpose is Deuteronomy 8.18. It says, God has given you, the, it says, uh, don't say by, the, um, by my might and the power of my hands I've gotten this wealth. No, it says, um, remember the Lord your God who's given you the power to create wealth. Power to create wealth. God never said he'd give you wealth. He said he'd give you the power to create wealth, which means he's going to bless the work of your hands, not your butt on the couch. Yeah. But here's the next part of it. So that, I may est- so that you may establish my covenant that I swore to your forefathers. So a lot of people are like, well, Jim, that's a promise to Israel. Yes. And we've been grafted in. <laughs> All those promises now are yes and amen to us. And uh, we have a, a new covenant with a better promise even. So, uh, guys, like the old covenant promises, we get all that, and we get better ones because now they're on the inside and the outside. And so, affluence is for influence is to establish His covenant on this planet. If you can't afford to go into uh, this, if you can't afford to go to the store, you can't afford to go into all the world. Okay, and so Ooh. prosperity has a purpose. Whoever should we, should we pass the offering plate? I know. Down here right now. <laughs> So good. Whoever asked that question, that was a good one. It might have been my son at home. Dad, I'm going to give an underhand pitch here. Yeah. Uh, Did anybody? Did any other of you guys wanted to chime in on that? No, he covered it. He was he was on fire. I feel like that's so important. You know, one of the things that we definitely want to see is our cities saved, and I think that that's so important. You know, we 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 have to be moving not just in supernatural healing power with our hands, you know what I mean? Laying hands on the sick and they will recover and and that kind of transformation. But it also has to be a way of life, not not just, they're supernatural. It's bigger than just, you know, laying hands on the sick. Supernatural flows through your finances. Yeah. Yeah, God blesses stewardship just as much as he does generosity, just as much as he does healing. Yeah. You have to get that the guys steward it, and the supernatural came upon them. We see there's a supernatural. He who sows generously reaps generously. We, we, I feel like the church has gotten the revelation of God's putting a supernatural on generosity, mm-hmm. but to recognize to actually steward my money, know where it's going, you know, understand investing. Yeah, that's a whole other level. And another key to city transformation. You mentioned healing. Um, Jesus, it's a weird passage. He's walking out of this town. They've just rejected him. It's uh, Matthew 11, and he says, "Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida!" If the miracles performed in you were performed in Tyre and Sidon, two Old Testament wicked cities, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Right in the middle of rebuke, he holds out another key to city transformation, which is miracles can change the appetite of a wicked city. And so, uh, so why do you think the enemy has fought against the health and wealth gospel so much? Because it's the key to transforming cities. It's the key to you accomplishing your destiny, because if the enemy can keep you sick and poor, he's going to severely limit your destiny. Come on, mic drop. Mic drop. Well, you're hitting my two love languages here, healing and finances. So, Okay, yeah. next question. Uh, let's see. Um, 
what do you see God doing behind the scenes towards city transformation during this time? Well, I think behind scenes is really you have to really get a glimpse of how it is in heaven and, you know, to pray uh, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what you see in heaven, how you see him, uh, there's no sickness in heaven, there's no disease in heaven, there's no uh, uh, division in heaven. Um, so to, to really get, get a hold of that, and this is his will to, uh, to be done not only in heaven, but also in earth. And if we can, if we can get that, unite the churches, unite the people. It's not all coming into the same building. It's, it's just uniting the hearts around the one that's seated on the throne. And uh, if there's a need over here on the west side, you know, if I'm on the east side, you know, whatever it is, it could be resources, it could be people, whatever you can mobilize to make that happen, that God's name be lifted up on that side of town, it's important. I think it's just uniting the bride. Yeah, absolutely. Does anybody else? I, I do. I think that whoever asked that question, um, it's what are you doing? That you are the seeker place. Wow. You are the one behind the scene. And so... I, I, so like we, God inhabits people now who inhabit cities. And so for us, it's like the call of intercession, the call of action, the, the call of what are we doing behind the scenes? We are the ones who are behind the scenes. So, so the question really for you is whatever you're doing behind the scenes is what God's doing behind the scenes. Say again about the inhabits people. Inhabits. So, so God, uh, you know, he inhabits people and people inhabit cities. Wow. So really what are we doing you know, and that's not to it's not to say that, you know, you have to go do it all and like Jim said, kind of just start striving. But the question is normally a lot of people think there's like a group of influencers that are really pulling the strings and really God's positioned us to be those influencers. And when we start taking ownership of it is when the behind the scenes stuff starts becoming looking like the kingdom of our God. That's really good, that's awesome. Sean. Uh, let me just stay on you for a minute. Um, I'm not giving you a cho choice. You have to answer this question. <laughs> uh, I feel like we get this question a lot. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> you can phone the Holy Spirit. That's right. um, we get this question a lot. And um, what, it, what, how do you handle, I guess, yourself and your environment when you have experienced transformation but other people in your family have not experienced that transformation and they don't really understand what's going on. How do you, how do you handle that environment? Well, that's a really good question. A lot of us have probably gone through that, you know, maybe currently going through it. Um, I, I think that when, when you're going through transformation and you're, you know, just growing, you're becoming a new person. Transformation is actually a whole new you. It's a new creation being formed. And so I think that when people around you, be it family, friends, coworkers, that aren't going through that, they become your opportunity to show them what the fruit of that looks like. That, that you might not find fellowship, you might not find agreement, but you will find a place that you can actually show them the fruit of what that transformation looks like, looks like the fruits of the spirit, looks like a greater level of love being released, a greater level of, of, of empathy, a greater level of, of coming around someone that you disagree with. If we're not doing that, I would question where the transformation is coming from. Me, me personally, I, I learned not to get upset with ignorance. Ignorance is just not knowing. And there was a time where I didn't know, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you would have been, someone that believed would have been upset with me. So it's when I got a hold of something that God's changed my heart, uh, I stay patient with the people that are in my family or my circle. I don't leave them, kick them out, say, oh, you know, I'm going to kick you with another group. Because I know that, you know, he's the light in dark places. And he called me to be that same light. So holding on to him and understanding that, you know, we all once walked in darkness until the light bulb came on. So good. Josh or Jim? I think it was good. Yeah, I think they explained it really well. I mean, I would just add the piece of, you know, to kind of tie both of those questions together that Christianity is the greatest underground grassroots movement the world has ever seen. Uh, there's, there's never been a better or a more successful grassroots movement. It started with, you know, uh, one guy, Jesus, who recruited 12 other guys who had no background, no education, no degrees, 
nothing, no accolades, um, nothing to show for themselves. And we are still today talking about what they did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's, it's, they didn't have a microphone. They didn't have a platform. They didn't have, you know, any of those things. They didn't and, have a Facebook page. They didn't even have a Facebook page. Yeah. They, you know, and so uh, I think a lot of times the fault uh, for, and not all of all Christians, but a lot of Christians is we're looking for the big things. We're looking for the platforms, the microphones, we're looking for the crowds. And, uh, we don't want to minimize that, but at the same time, if you're stepping over the person in front of you to get to the crowd, then there's a problem. Uh, and so, you know, the, the command is to, to love the person in front of you, to love one another. And, uh, and Jesus would, he would, he would stoop down. He would, uh, reach out to the, the poorest of the poor, the, the sick, the broken, the hurting, the dying. And uh, he would demonstrate that. And, and so what would it look like if we had, you know, a church full of people who would just do that? If you just did that for one year, what would a city look like? And, um, and, and so the, the understanding of, you know, what's going on behind the scenes is I would totally echo what Sean said is you are. Uh, what are you doing? What are what is that thing that 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 what decisions have you made to uh, be Jesus to the world around you? All right, something got sparked in that one. That was so good. <laughs> the um, you know I I think just the idea too it starts at home. You know my pastor says uh, Jimmy, you've got no more ministry to Christ's bride than you do your own. And so for people who you know looking for to have a city transforming ministry, you know I, mean, I believe everybody has a ministry. You know if you if you know if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have a ministry. And so before we start thinking in the crowds, you know, you, the, the greatest place for spiritual transformation is at home. You can't hide. You can't hide your bad days. I mean, you can get up on a stage and, you know, be having a bad day and you could, you know, tap him with the Lord and, you know, uh, but at home you can't hide, you know. And so there's a passage, it's in First or Second Peter, it says, um, wives can win over their unbelieving husbands by their good deeds. You know, of course, the corollary to that, it says, husbands... Um, don't treat your wives harshly or your prayers won't get answered, which is an interesting one. And, you know, and so I think just the, the idea of uh, starting at home, not looking to, you don't want your platform to be taller than your surrender to the Lord and your tenderness to be shaped by him. So. Yeah, and I was just thinking too with everything that you guys have said and uh, just I think the whole transformation is rooted in love. And it's, it's an encounter with God's love. And so now we want to we be that encounter of love to other people. I think uh, people who have influence in your life, thinking back, even maybe before you were saved, is probably what you remember is they were loving you unconditionally. Yeah. And I think loving people unconditionally is, you didn't ask me, but I'm answering that That's one. Good. Oh, we like your answers. Um, okay, next question. How do you confront the stress that sometimes comes with the desire to transform? We often want transformation to be quick. So how do you address the thought or the fear of, I'm not changing fast enough? I think understanding that any indication of growth is, is celebration. And um, as I think it was Bill that said, any indication of presence is the beginning of celebration. And so we're, you know, if you cannot celebrate what God's doing in your life and what God's doing in the lives of those around you, it's going to be really hard to get promoted to another level, so to speak, or um, to see growth in a particular area. And so uh, a lot of times you may have heard speakers and we've probably all shared that, um, hey, if you want breakthrough in a particular area, you're not seeing breakthrough in uh, healing, go honor somebody who is seeing that. Go, go listen to their teachings, go sit under them, go, you know, whatever that looks like. And uh, that, um, that kind of honor actually brings about the increase in the growth. And so uh, sometimes it's not about what you're doing wrong. It's not about what you're doing right. It's about who are you honoring. And, and, and so there's, a, there's an understanding, there's an aspect of um, I, I am feeling, you know, stunted in growth. And any time that you feel that plateau, that spiritual plateau, it's time to sh- it's time to shake things up. Um, adjust and the sail. Adjust the sail. It's time to shake things up. It's time to reorient with the Lord. And I would liken it to people who, um, and we've all been there. We've got that favorite worship song that we have played, and uh, back when we all listened to CDs, and that you would wear the CD out, and and then all of a sudden you'd play that same song, and you 
don't feel the same anointing come down or, you know, you don't get the goosebumps or anything like that. And, and um, you know, it's, it's probably time to adjust. It's probably time to a shift. It's probably time to uh, ask the Lord how he wants to engage with you in a new way. Um, and, uh, you know, there's the picture of, you know, sometimes uh, he'll take a step back so that you uh, can come forward or uh, come to him in a new way or a different way. And uh, you would kind of liken it to, to dancing with him and, and how there's a back and forth and an ebb and flow. And, uh, and just like Jim said, adjusting that sail really helps um, when, you're, when you feel stuck. I think that the, the only thing I would say about that, uh, I love what you just shared, Josh, and I was getting that picture too, Jim, what you laid out about the sails. It's such a great picture of, of uh, being able to move forward with the Lord as opposed to our own efforts. But I would say this, in that question, uh, I think the problem is in the question because you're letting fear be a motivating factor. You said, what if I'm scared? Basically, how do I, how do I feed this fear? It was what your question was if you... If you really drill it down. And so I'll just say that, you know, to, to rest knowing that God's got you, that you can do more rested than you can running sometimes. And that if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, how do I move forward? How do I move forward? If, if it's, if it's becoming a place of anxiety and anxious source, you know, we might have let the devil come in to begin to set our agenda. And the only people that Jesus was constantly correcting in the Bible, it really wasn't sinners. It was those that were doing the right things with the wrong motives, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees. And so just know this, there's grace for you and that wherever you're at right now, you can just rest, you know, highlight those, study rest in the Bible. If you want to really do something, just study rest uh, and just see what God might have to say about that. And I say, uh, don't make change your obsession. Uh, make Jesus your wow. obsession. So good. Because once you change to the person you want to be, you're going to find that you still got more to go with God. Oh, so good. don't focus on that. Just focus on him. He's the answer. He's everything. And out of that, you're going to continue to grow. Even to the age to come, you're going to still see things mm-hmm. that are going to make you say, whoa, holy. Yeah, let me just hit something. I, I feel like there's a lot of really great movements going on right now in, in the body of Christ. And what can happen with any great movement is religion can come in and twist it. And so there's a lot of movements that are about passion and laying everything down and surrendering everything and giving it all up to him. And when the focus is on what you have to do, um, well, here's what, guys, here's what I've seen happen. I see it a lot, especially with uh, 20-somethings, is they're, they're so zealous for the Lord. They love him so much. They genuinely want to lay everything down. But what every message is, you need to lay more down. You need to lay more down. What happens is it's never enough mm-hmm. because the focus is on what you do. That's religion. That you, there is never enough. Mm-hmm. And because it's never enough, they get frustrated and they, uh, they, they end up turning their back on it and they end up going into a sinful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because I, I've watched it. They, they go into these ministry schools loving God and religion gets hold of them. It's mm-hmm. never enough. And then they end up like, what the heck happened? You're worse off than before you went to that school. And it's not the school's fault. Right. It's just the spirit of religion that Paul, Paul would plant churches, then he had to go address those things in his letters. And so it's not any school's fault, but I just see a danger in that. And uh, you guys, the focus of Christianity is not on what I must do, what I must give up. Now, God may tell you to do those things, and we do them willingly. He has right. me give up stuff all the time. But my focus is on him. He has done everything. He was the high priest who offered the sacrifice once for all, and he sat down. There, there, there didn't need to be anything else. Everything that you need for life and godliness has been done for you. And so now we receive that. We look at Jesus. We are thankful for that. Absolutely. And now there may be some wisdom of putting up a sail. It's, guys, it's not works to put up a sail when the wind's blowing. It's not works to read your Bible or when God's calling you to fast. It, that's not works. That's wisdom. I'm engaging with what he's already provided. You know, that's not, you know... If, if the spigot's already on, it's not works for me to stick the water in there. You, uh, you know, I'm not trying to ask, you know, the water's already been provided, okay? Yeah. You're not trying to build the whole pipe system, you know, I got I to gotta do this, I got to get to the Lord. No, no, it's already been there, and so there, he's done everything. And so, but I feel like, yeah, there's, I said it already. Well, Jim, don't you say often, you know, about how grace isn't opposed to effort, but opposed to earning? Grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. It's actually a Dallas Willard quote. I've said it so much that people think that, that it's mine. And, uh, but but uh, humility would say, okay, it was Dallas. He's the genius behind it. But I think there's some real wisdom in that. Grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. And so it's, it's not works. It's wisdom to open up your Bible uh, because he's going to speak to you out of it. 
Um, it becomes works when it's like, I've got to read chapter a day keeps the Bible, the devil away. Chapter a day keeps the devil away. You know, I've got to, I've got to read my Bible. Okay. You know, you get into these routines and they become the slave. Okay. Okay. I've got to pray for an hour. Yeah. You know, there's movements, you know, we've got to do the Nazarite vow and we've got to do this and that. Why? He's done everything. Now, if the Lord's calling you to respond in some way that is going to help you tap into what Jesus has done, beautiful. But if you're doing it to please the Lord, he's pleased with Jesus. He's not pleased with your dead works. Absolutely. And you're enjoyed every day, right? Every single day. Just like a child is enjoyed every day by their parent. Even at five years old, up to 20. The, kid is, the parents not saying, I can't wait till you're 20 so you can move this furniture. No, they're enjoying them at five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, until they're full strength. And then when they're back in diapers again at an older age, you know, oh, they're, they're being enjoyed every day of their life. So oh, good Jesus, help us. Well, that kind of sparked just a little thought. Um, I think there is a tension sometimes between the now and not yet. That, uh, and many of you have felt it. I've felt it. Probably everybody on the stage has felt it at some, at some point of the tension between the promises that God has of your life, yeah. the destiny, the prophetic words, and, uh, but not yet. And, um, you know, imagine uh, David being anointed king and then having to go back out and tend to the same sheep that he did the day before. Nothing physically changed, so but everything good. internally began to change. And so there's, there's an understanding of promises. Uh, but if we only tell you about the promises, uh, then it looks like what we're, we're telling you and what we're preaching about is not true because there is process. And you have to understand that, that there is a process. The water is already on, but you've got to open the cupboard. You've got to pull out the cup. You've got to stick the cup under the water. And the, the, the actual process to obtain uh, the prophetic words and promises over your life. I love what Graham Cook says. is every prophetic word over your life is not a guarantee. It's an invitation. And you, it's an invitation for you to become the kind of person that that word describes, that that destiny is, that that promise says. So and so good. we live out the, pro, the process to obtain the promises that he has paid for. Wow. That's really good, Josh. I, I think probably I, it would be really easy to preach a whole message just on tension, <laughs> you know, because the Bible's full of it. It's full of the now and the not yet. He was, he is, he is to come. Right. You know, those things, those promise, just what you were saying, I, I was just thinking, man, we're constantly living in that tension state, and uh, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes. But I was also thinking, Jim, about your comment about the Nazarite vow. It would probably be really easy to grow out your hair right now in the... <laughs> Check. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is taking a Nazarite vow. Involuntarily. Involuntary <laughs> Nazarite vow. We're all forced to take a Nazarite vow. Yeah. Um, just along that kind of the same vein, why is it so important to protect yourself from just growing in information? I think you become lazy if it's just information. It's just, if, you just, if it's just information, you become lazy, a lazy Christian. You know, you become full, 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 but you're not applying it. And there's so much out there, so many people out there that needs help, that needs the information that we're holding on to. It's like a cup. If, I, if a cup is just being poured into but never gets to a hand that gets drank, it, the person is going to die of thirst around them. So being connected to God's heart is being connected to his vision and understand he's, he wants to water us to water others. Well, if information was all we needed, we'd all be skinny, rich, and happy. <laughs> and so we need something more than that. And so uh, the Bible doesn't actually say that the truth sets you free. A lot of people just think you need some, you know, it's knowledge that puffs up. The Bible doesn't say the truth sets you free. That's John 8.32. You need to read 8.31. It says, if you continue in my word, which means you're actually putting it into practice. So you hear a teaching on healing the sick? That means you're going to go and you're going to stick your hand on somebody. And, uh, and you're, you're going to put it in practice. Those who continue in my word are my disciples indeed. Then they will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. The word know the truth means they're going to come to know it by experience. In other words, I hear this word. It comes alive in my heart. If I don't put it into practice, I become the parable of the soil where it says that um, the, it was the, uh, along the pathway, and it said they snatched it because they did not understand. Understanding in the Bible is having an experience with it. And so if you allow it to remain in theory and never allow it to penetrate your heart and put it into action, then the enemy comes and steals it from your heart. The problem is he doesn't steal it from your mind. 
So you've heard the truth, and you're like, amen, that's good. These people need to hear that. And so you think that you're living in the truth because you agree with it, but you don't actually have the victory. I think the best example that I can think of with this is, and I've said this before, but um, if I just read a book about my wife, we wouldn't have any kids. And uh, <laughs> that information uh, has to uh, have an experience. Can you go deeper on that? I don't understand. No, yeah. no that's as deep as we're going to go. I'm probably in trouble for saying that already. Yeah. But um, there, there's an there's a understanding that if you just Faith read the Bible. Faith works is dead in marriage, too. Yeah, works, yeah. It, you know, just reading about somebody, it's not actually a relationship. Having information, knowing their favorite color, knowing what they like to do, what they like to eat, it's not actually a relationship just to have information, but to actually sit across from that person so and good. begin to have an experience with them, have, uh, you know, an interaction with them, have an engagement with them. And it's interesting that, you know, uh, you know kids are also an allegory of fruit in the Bible. It's the, you know, the, the it's, and so what if just information leads to you don't have any fruit from it what if it's actually the experience of your relationship with jesus that actually begins to bring about the the, so the not only the nine you know uh fruits of the spirit but the nine gifts of the spirit what if what if those things actually uh are correlated that experience with who he is and not just knowledge and i think it's even in ephesians in the amplified bible it it, it talks about um, that you would really come to know the love of Christ and know by experience. And um, I've heard it taught that that word know is the same word where it says Adam knew Eve and they bore children. And yeah. so it's a very experiential knowledge that uh, it, it, it can't be just information. That's the Western world, the, the Hebraic, the, the, you know, that, that kind of culture is circular in thinking. And, and so you actually don't know something until you've experienced it. And so I think just shifting our Western mindset that information does not equal power uh, actually experience does and we live in a culture where we can go to business school and be taught how to run businesses by people who have never owned them and uh, and so I think there's there's something fundamentally wrong with that when we understand that the power of actually experiencing it rolling up your sleeves doing something on your own you have a, a perspective that is unique rather than just having information Really great, guys. Wow. We're almost out of time. We have a, I'm going to answer this last question that was directed towards me. Is that okay if we close yeah, with yeah, this? Yeah, go for it. All right. You're, so, the, you're, you're the hostess with the most. Do you want Jeff to ask you, you the question? <laughs> I'll ask myself. Uh, for Mary, <laughs> how does worship play a part in transforming a city? Um, the short answer is uh, worship displaces principalities. And so when you worship the Lord, it shoves off the, the kingdoms of this world off of their throne, and it puts God on his throne. So that's the really short answer. But we're all getting really hungry up here, so I'm going to have Jim Baker close us out in prayer. We just want to thank you for being with us today and all your comments. I cannot wait to go and read them. And um, yeah. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. We're going to have John Jarman come up and actually uh, finish the whole thing out here. So. Lord, we just thank you for uh, transformed people who transform cities. And Lord, I thank you for, uh, Lord, whoever's watching this, whether you're watching on replay, that you're putting a hunger in them to encounter you in a new way. That, Lord, I just thank you that you're raising up a church that isn't satisfied with information or just sermons, but Lord, we want to take those and live them out. Lord, they're not just satisfied with reading chapters in a, in a Bible plan. They want to encounter the author. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, increase our hunger for you because hungry people do things that satisfied people won't. So, Lord, we ask you for that gift of hunger. And, uh, and Lord, I pray for someone who is really hurting right now and, uh, and is feeling really lonely. I just I pray for an experience of your Holy Spirit. I can just see this person right now. And uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that the comfort of the Holy Spirit would come upon them. That, uh, Lord, just as Josh uh, learned how to hear your voice in a machine shop that, as, uh, during this quarantine time, that you were going to, this is a training ground for hearing your voice. Lord, I pray that that would inspire people, that they're, they're in a training right now. They're in boot camp for God's voice. And so we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on up here, John. Close us out. Always back hey there. guys, we want to thank you so much for tuning in with us this morning. First of all, we want to say, man, it, what an honor and privilege is to worship Jesus with you. And uh, maybe you this morning, you received an invitation from someone to tune in. Uh, maybe you had a friend that you saw was hosting a watch party. 
and you tuned in for the first time this morning, well, we want to give you an opportunity to know more about this Jesus that you've heard about the entire service. And, and maybe you're there, and, and a song during worship just really hit your heart. And maybe some of the questions that were asked from the panel this morning just really, you know, you just felt something different. Something happened, and the atmosphere changed wherever you're at, whether you're in your kitchen, your bedroom, your living room. Maybe you're at work right now. But I'll let you know what that presence is. You know, have you ever had either a good friend or someone, a family member, that when they walked into the room, like their presence, all eyes were on them, and you could just feel like, man, they carried something? Well, there's someone in your, your sphere right now that's carrying something, and that person is Jesus. And I want to let you know right now that he loves you. God loved you so much that here's the cool thing is that we talk about the gospel. You've heard the name, the word, the gospel, and the gospel actually means good news. And so if you're feeling something right now, something tugging on your heart, you're feeling maybe right now you're overcome with emotions, maybe tears came, maybe joy hit you. I just pray increase right now because I'm going to let you know the presence of that person is. That's the presence of Jesus. You know, uh, we just came out of the Easter season and uh, we, we just celebrated the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And, you know, God did not want to be away from you. And so 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, he sent redemption in the form of his son. He gave his very best, the gift of Jesus, so that he could have a relationship with you. I'm sure you've seen the banner at football games that says John 3.16. But that's the reality. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in his name would not, would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said it countless times, only believe. And it's that simple. All you have to do is believe on the name of Jesus. And so here's the cool thing is that when Jesus rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the executor of the last will and testament of Jesus. And maybe you've heard a story of seeing a movie uh, you know, a long time ago about a, a character in the movie. He was, a, he was an heir that he never knew he was an heir to. He was an heir to an estate that he ever, never knew he was an heir to. And so this executor of this estate was tracking him down. You know, he was, you know, in the story, in my mind, I could just see the person down and out, you know, just, just living a lesser life. Well, here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is what you're feeling in your room right now. He's the executor of the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And he is there to let you know that you are an heir to an amazing kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. And here's the cool thing about the kingdom is that in this kingdom, everyone's royalty. Okay? It's, it's amazing. And so I just want to invite you right now, if you want to, to say this prayer with me. You want to know more about this Jesus. It's this easy. It's just only believe. Okay, so if you would like to know Jesus in a greater measure, I'd like to pray with you. So right now, where you're at, just join in prayer with me. You can repeat after me if you like, or just, just pray on your own. But I just want to say a simple prayer, and it's that easy. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you wanted to have a relationship with me. So much so that you gave Jesus, your only begotten son, to come to this earth, to die on a cross, to be buried, but to raise again. He who knew no sin became sin for me. I accept that gift today. I believe it in my heart. Jesus, I thank you. I believe that you're the son of God. I thank you right now that your blood is cleansing me from all unrighteousness, that today is the day of my salvation. Today, I get to choose that I will serve you, Jesus. So I ask you, Jesus, to come and sit on the throne of my heart. And maybe you've had anxiety or fear or depression ruling your life, especially during this time. No more. <laughs> That's the good news. No more. You can walk in perfect peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So Jesus, come into my heart right now. Sit on the throne of my heart. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me. Fill me. Fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. I ask you to come and fill me right now in the name of Jesus. I want to let you know, if you've prayed that prayer, today's a new day. Maybe you felt during this whole broadcast today, if I could just go back in time before this action or this situation, if I could just erase that, things would be different. Or maybe if I could just move away, if I could just go somewhere else and start over. Here's the good news is that Jesus covers all of that, your past, your present, and your future, and you have a new life in him. And that's good news. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is good news. Amen? 
Amen. So if you receive Jesus this morning, I want to I ask you, down at the bottom corner of your screen, you'll see the words, text Jesus to a phone number there. If you receive Jesus or you rededicated your life, you say, man, I've been away and I felt something drawing me in. If you felt that, we want to reach out to you. We want to connect with you. So text the word Jesus to the number on your screen, and we just want to get in greater uh, you know, community with you and help you during your journey or walk to know more. So at this time, I'm going to ask Pastor Derek and Pastor Shatisha to come out and close out the service. God bless you guys. Amen. Wow. Well, let me be the first to introduce you or welcome you to the family of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Wow, that was so powerful. We're just excited about new believers and newcomers, and Pastor Derek is going to talk about that. We have, a, uh, we have a special class here at Zion called the Apprentice of Jesus class. I want to get you to connect to that. If you type Jesus uh, up there on the screen... We're going to reach out to you, and we're going to connect you with uh, teachers and coaches that will help you uh, build relationship and build strength in that decision. Because the, the greatest thing, well, you know, preaching gets you to make that decision, but teaching causes you to grow up in that. And that's what we're going to do here at Zion. We're going to help grow you up and mature you in the things of God. So make sure you put that Jesus there, and one of the coaches will reach out to you. And we're going to see you all the way through, not just halfway. We're going to see you all the way through. And some of you right now that may have had a relationship with God and it's kind of lukewarm right now, go ahead and put Jesus on there, too. Uh, we're going to fan that flame in you. We're going to cause that fire to come up again. And, you know, I know how it is to, to once be on fire for God. And then the, the things of life, the challenges of life, raising family, doing business, all these things, you know, fire sometimes dim out and goes, you know, not as bright as it once was. But we're going to just blow on that and fan that and cause that fire to come back alive and let, let Jesus be the center of your heart and teach you how to do that as well. Amen. And that's on Thursdays at 7 p.m. on Zoom. So go ahead and text that, um, Jesus, and we will contact you, and we will see you on Thursday. Wasn't today awesome? Wasn't it an awesome you know, service? Today was so awesome. Amen. You know, and and I'm, just, I'm just thrilled that you don't have to just wait till Sunday to experience Jesus. Right. We're open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Fridays. There's something going on Amen. every single day of the week. Whether you're a morning person or an evening person, there's something going on here at Zion. Connect with us, and we will see you next Sunday. We love you. God bless you, and have a wonderful week.